Who will be the New York Mets' next homegrown superstar? We'll discuss that on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we are going to try to figure out who will be the next homegrown superstar for the New York Mets. In the first segment, I'll define what a superstar is in the big leagues and if the Mets already have one. Uh, who's been playing for the team for years now. In the second segment, we'll look at the rookie class from this past year. Is there a a superstar among them? There's a catcher that probably will kind of dominate that conversation, so we'll get to Alvarez. Then in the final segment, look at the prospects. Is there a superstar waiting in the wings in the Mets farm system? Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X, Ficklestein Ryan. I also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, Medical.com. On yesterday's show, I teased that we would be doing a Friday Farm Report today, and that is exactly what we are going to do, checking in on the Mets farm system and really looking towards the future as far as where could the next homegrown superstar come from for the New York Mets. Is there a guy on the roster currently from this past rookie class that will one day ascend to be a superstar or are there prospects who could one day take that leap? Who is the highest probability superstar? Before we get to each individual case, Let's define it. What's a superstar? I mean, I think you know it when you see it, right? Superstars to me are are players that can win an MVP or a Cy Young if it's a pitcher. It's the best player at a given position any given season. The guy that can go up and be the best shortstop in baseball or could be the best center fielder, the best hitter, the best slugger, whatever it is. Someone that has that trait that can just pop and explode. It can change games for you and typically – you're looking more at two-way players. It doesn't have to be. There are exceptions to the rule. I would define David Ortiz as a superstar for an era of Red Sox baseball. For one, he was larger than life. But two, he was clutch in the biggest moments in the playoffs. And he had that one tool that carried him. He was an unbelievable hitter. There is those exceptions. But for the most part, if you look around the game right now, look at the playoffs. Corey Seager, superstar. He was doing it with his glove in the playoffs, and the bat is just unbelievable. Corbin Carroll doing it all over the place. The speed is maybe his best trait, but he has power. He brings defense. He's just a really complete ball player. Uh, you know, and, and there was other players that that contributed for those two teams that ended up, ended up in the World Series. You know, Ketel Marte had an amazing playoff run. He's more of a star, though. He's not quite a superstar because – We've seen the ups and downs of a Cattell Marte. He has good seasons. He has seasons that aren't quite up to that same level. 
Adelise Garcia, another guy. He's a two-time All-Star now, but you know there was a year in between where he wasn't quite uh, at that same level. He was unbelievable in the playoffs, had great moments in the regular season, but no one would be shocked if he took a step back for the regular season next year. You know, there's a difference between a hot player and a superstar. You look around the game, and it seems like there are superstars popping up all over. Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners, superstar. Of course, Ronald Acuna Jr., superstar in the division for the Braves. There's guys that have been there for a while. Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman might not be your superstar you know, when it comes to the flash, but he's such a good hitter that you, you almost put him into that category, right? There's just that something extra that makes a player a superstar. When it comes to the New York Mets, who was their last superstar? And I'm not just talking about the homegrown guys. Just on the roster right now, is there a superstar? Who's the closest to it? I think it's the guy probably that just won a silver slugger, Francisco Lindor. Because, for one, he's a guy that finds himself in the top 10 when it comes to wins above replacement a lot of different seasons where he's one of the best players in the game, which you might qualify him as a superstar. He carries himself with that level of swagger. And you know he has the ability to be the best player at a given position. He was that at shortstop in 2022. This year, he was probably the second best shortstop in the game to Corey Seager. But no, really good. Homegrown superstar. Is Pete Alonso a superstar? He's a star. I don't know if he's a superstar. There's the defense that drags him down, of course. He gets all of his value or a lot of it from hitting home runs, which is an incredible trait, extremely valuable. I don't think he's quite a superstar. I think the last homegrown superstar the Mets had was Jacob DeGrom. Now, he might not be uh, the you know superstar that is pumping his chest. He went out to Simple Man and he was that, but from 2018 to 2022, when he was on the mound, There was no pitcher better in baseball than Jacob DeGrom. No one more dominant. No one who did uh, more incredible things with a baseball in their hand than Jacob DeGrom. Superstar. Two-time Cy Young. Back-to-back. That was the last homegrown superstar the Mets had. Matt Harvey had a moment where he was on the biggest stage starting in an all-star game. Uh, Brandon Nimmo was a good player, but he's maybe not even a star. He might just be a good player. To get to that next level of superstar, it's few and far between. I think the last one before DeGrom was David Wright. David Wright had a stretch there where he was in the conversation, if not just the best third baseman in baseball. He was really, really good. He was on a Hall of Fame track, and that's really what you're getting at, right? Guys that could one day become Hall of Famers. If you're in the Hall of Fame, you were sort of a superstar, right? There's obviously some guys you look back on their careers and maybe they weren't ever considered that, but they have such great careers. It's a superstar career. That, that's what we're trying to find here. In Matt's history, who were the superstars? I've mentioned two, Wright, uh, DeGrom, homegrown, Doc and Daryl were certainly superstars with the way that they burst onto the scene. Tom Seaver, I mean, come on, superstar. And this franchise has acquired superstars. Keith Hernandez for his impact on the 1986 Mets, the defense he brought at first base, the the key bat that he was in the middle of that lineup, the leadership, 
Hall of Fame qualities, in my opinion, makes him a you know, fringe superstar. Mike Piazza, no doubt about it. One of, if not the greatest offensive catcher in LB history, superstar. Carlos Beltran acquired. Some people don't love him because of the strikeout, but hey, look at the numbers. Dude was a superstar. Johan and Santana had a moment, right? When they acquired him, they acquired a superstar. He was really good at the beginning before the injuries got to him. But again, it's really tough to develop a superstar. If the Mets want to get to where they're hoping to as a franchise, it's really going to help if they can have a homegrown superstar. So with the definition in place here, who is it? Who is the next homegrown superstar on the New York Mets? Has that player already arrived or are they waiting in the wings in the farm system? I want to get to that next. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. It's important to be prepared, whether it's because of a natural disaster or supply chain shortages or because you're traveling abroad, you might not be able to get the medications you need, leaving you unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical has created the Jace case, providing five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Jace was doctor created and it's doctor recommended. You can now customize your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications and you can even add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. My wife and I, we just came back from a trip. Whenever we're traveling, it's always good to bring our Jace case with us to know that we have that extra layer of safety whenever we leave the house. If you want to get a Jace case for your family, go to jacemedical.com. Enter the code locked on at checkout for $20 off your order. That's promo code locked on at Jace Medical, J A S E Medical.com. Hot stove season is picking up. If you don't want to miss any of the rumors around the game, become a Locked On Mets insider, where you will get text message updates from me about everything going on with the New York Mets, about different topics we'll discuss on the show, and you can communicate with me as well one-on-one via text. If you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Mets. Now, is there a homegrown Mets superstar already on this roster? I already touched on Alonzo and Nimmo. You know, Alonzo star, Nimmo, maybe, but they're not superstars. Who could be a homegrown superstar? Well, we're going to look at this rookie class. Kodai Senga, do you call that homegrown when you sign him internationally? I don't know. Technically, he was a prospect for a minute. I'll just save you the time and say he's a good pitcher, but not quite a superstar. You look at the rest of the rookie class, though. Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, Ronnie Mauricio, and then another guy will spend a little bit more time on than those first three. So let's go through those three right now. Beatty, he was a negative wins above replacement player. He was a net negative for the Mets this season. Didn't hit for a high average, didn't get on base enough, and played bad defense at third. It was not a good season for Brett Beatty. I still believe that he could be an above average starting third baseman, but he's got to show it this year. Uh, obviously we cannot say he's anywhere close to being a homegrown superstar. Mark Vientos, I don't even know if he's going to be with the team too long. I, I, if you told me three years from now, is Mark Vientos a New York Met? 
and I had to bet my life on it, I really don't know where I'd go with that one. I, I think I might say that I bet that he wouldn't be just because if you assume that the Mets are going to sign Pete Alonso long-term at some point, whether it's this offseason or when he hits free agency, you probably assume that Mark Vientos doesn't have a long-term place with this team. So, uh, again, I just don't think that he is at that level. He can be a really good hitter in the big leagues, but um, definitely not superstar potential at this stage. Ryan Mauricio, people are going to maybe think superstar. Personally, I don't. Uh, you know, he has the persona of a superstar. He carries himself like, like a superstar, and he has the physical gifts of a superstar with the way he hits the baseball as hard as he can and just the stature. He's a big dude, really athletic. But as much as everyone is sort of romanticizing his month with the Mets this year, the dude hit 248, got on base at a 296 clip, and slugs 347. That's a 643 OPS that was only 23 points higher than Mark Vientos, um, who struggled for months on months on months. So Ronnie Mauricio has a lot of talent. He could one day uh, prove me wrong and become a superstar. I don't think he will be one um, in a Mets uniform. Just don't see it. Now let's get to the guy that actually could be, Francisco Alvarez. His first full season with the Mets, he played 123 games, hit 25 home runs, drove in 63 while playing great defense behind the dish. Really like unbelievable based on expectations this year. We didn't even think he was going to be a significant player on the roster. You thought maybe by the all-star break, he forces his way and knocks Omar Narvaez out of that starting spot. And because Narvaez gets hurt early, Alvarez gets thrust into action, and Narvaez never got that starting job back. He was just so good throughout the year during stretches, right? Defensively, I think he just showed that he could handle the position was really way better than we could have anticipated. But there was months where this guy stepped up and looked like a superstar. And then there was months where he was – the worst hitter in the lineup and just an automatic out and look terrible. If he can get rid of that inconsistency, if he can, it'll be as great as he was for those months that he was awesome. And then when he hits his slumps, he's not quite as awful. If he finds a middle ground there, there's so much room for growth for Francisco Alvarez as he turns 22 years old next Sunday. I mean, this guy is still, remarkably young and the fact that he worked so hard and turned himself into that level of defender to me, that just speaks to his character, his work ethic and how he can still just continue to improve year over year to become that a superstar. Here's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to see if you just marginally improved some of those awful months Alvarez had, how much could the stats tick up and where would that put him among the best catchers in baseball? So there was two months where he barely got over 10 hits. You look at June and August. So what I did was I added 10 hits to both of those months. So you're taking his 80 hits on the season. You're adding 20 to it. So that alone would have taken his average and brought it all the way up, right? He was barely over the Mendoza line. That would take him up to a 261 average. His on-base percentage would jump up. It was below 300. That would take him to 331. So right there, you get him at a, a better baseline as far as just being a, a solid hitter, which I think he can be because he showed that throughout the minor leagues to be able to hit for at least a 260 average and get on base at a 330 clip. That's not crazy based on what we saw in his previous track record 
in the farm system. Now, he had four home runs in June, one in August. So I added six home runs to his season total, three for each of those months. That adds 100 points to his slugging. So that would have taken from a 437 slug to a 537 slug. All of a sudden, he's an 888 OPS guy if you add 20 hits and six home runs. Over the course of his season, mind you, which I don't think is crazy again when we saw the peaks and valleys. 31 home runs and great defense from the catcher position. If he did that, and you look at the catchers around baseball this year, I, I sorted this based on a minimum of a 250 plate appearances who had the highest OPS from the catcher position. It was Mitch Garver, who was really a DH this year, more than a catcher, but he was at 870. Uh, then you had Ryan Jeffers at 858, Yanir Diaz at 846, Sean Murphy at 844, and then Wilson and William Contreras at 826 and 825, respectively. An 888 OPS, which I actually think is attainable for Francisco Alvarez when he reaches the peak of his powers, would have been the best in baseball this year and among qualified catchers by a long shot. So that potential ceiling he could hit, and without sort of a drastic change, right? This is a guy getting comfortable and hitting for a higher average and putting a couple more in the seats. I really think he can do that because look at the minor leagues. He cleared an 800 OPS at every single stop. He cleared an 888 OPS, which is the mark we're talking about here, in high A and double A over a significant playing time. And then in the lower levels, I mean, he had OPSs that were over 1,000. So here's a guy that, again, turns 22 it's next week. Great defensive season for him. I mean, I did that. You can look back, and I did a whole breakdown of Alvarez's season where I talked about the defense. So you can find sort of a, a deeper dive into what he did. But the point is all the stats grade him out really favorably. And on a maybe low bar offensive season for him, like I think that he showed you sort of the floor of what he could do in his rookie season where he was just figuring it out. When there was a mistake, he hit it out, but you know he was streaky. Here's a guy who, if he hits his potential, the sky really is the limit. This this kid could be the best catcher in baseball. I don't mince words when I say that. I really believe that Francisco Alvarez could become the best catcher in Major League Baseball. And if he has the ability to hit seven home runs in a month, which he did multiple times this past year as a rookie, you just imagine what that could look like over a six-month season. If he could do that, hit the seven home runs four times. Maybe one of those months, he hits 10 home runs. They start to add up. I don't think it is completely outlandish for a rookie catcher that hit 25 home runs to say, yeah, he might hit 40 in a given season. I think that's possible. Well, guess how rare that would be. There's only been eight 40 home run seasons by catcher in MLB history. The last person to do it was Salvador Perez. Hit 48 home runs, uh, which was a record in 2021. He broke Johnny Bench's record of 45. The only two that ever hit 45. That was back in 1970 when Bench did it. Below that, you had Javi Lopez for the Braves hit 43 in 2003. Johnny Bench also had 40 home runs in 1972. Roy Campanella is the first ever to hit 40 home runs as a catcher, 1953 with 41. Ton Hunley matched him with 41 for the Mets in 1996. 
And then there's Mike Piazza, who hit exactly 40 home runs in 1999 for the Mets and in 1997 for the Dodgers. That is an exclusive list that Alvarez could one join. I really believe that. To me, that makes him a superstar, potentially. If he can hit 40 from the catcher position, yeah, I think he would qualify. And if you look at the Mets, and we're going to get to the, the prospects next, as great as some of them are, and I'm high on some of these prospects, none of them have showed us what we just saw from Alvarez at the big league level. And that's why right now, if you had to ask me who's the highest probability homegrown superstar that the Mets have, without a doubt in my mind, the answer is Francisco Alvarez. But hey, the prospects are a lot of fun to talk about too. And some of them do have superstar potential. We'll get to them next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Before we talk prospects on this Friday Farm Report, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to make a push to 10,000 subs, so appreciate all of you who hit subscribe. Let's go through the top prospects in the system and who has superstar potential. I will be re-ranking my top 10 at some point in the coming weeks or, or months before we get to spring training. And I want to do a lot of digging on this um, and really make sure that I love my list going into this next season because last year I had Brett Beatty as the number one prospect in the Mets system because that's how high I was on him. And that one didn't work out great for me. So I want to spend a little more time on it. Alvarez was too, uh, but I'm leaning very heavily towards Jet Williams being the number one prospect in the Mets system going into this upcoming year. And maybe I'm prisoner of the moment. Maybe it's a little bit of recency bias the same way Brett Beatty might have been when I ranked him number one after I think it was spring training you know, where he looked so good. But Jet Williams at 19 years old, ascended to double a this year. He's got amazing speed and he's a really good base dealer. So he uses that speed. Well, he is able to stick at shortstop if the Mets need him to, but they won't because they have Lindor. So I expect he's going to be a really good defensive second baseman, or maybe even a center fielder. So there's a lot of potential there. He's been playing shortstop and center through his minor league career up to this point. Dude hit seven home runs in 36 games at high A. So maybe he can tap into 20 home run pop when it's all said and done. Right now, I think he probably projects more like 10 to 15, but still, really good player. Arm Layton for, for just baseball, he is... Uh, more plugged into prospects than anyone I know. He recently you know, shot him up on his top 100 list to, I believe, 55. Uh, and you know, in, in a podcast talking about him, he compared him to Nico Horner. Now, I, uh, with my buddy Clay Snowden, who also works for Just Baseball, have long uh, mocked Arm and uh, Jack, two of the uh, you know, hosts of the Just Baseball show, for their love of Nico Horner because – they make the guy seem like one of the you know best 10 players in the game. It's because they love his defense and you know his offensive potential keeps on growing. He was a 4-1 player this year. Nico Horner is a good second baseman. 
but it's not the sexiest comp. If you're trying to dream about Jet Williams, me telling you it's going to be Nico Horner doesn't really get you out of bed excited. You know, if you're if you're driving to work this morning and you're thinking about Mets superstars in the future, me telling you that the top prospect in the system is going to be Nico Horner just doesn't quite do it for you. So here's a comparison of the ceiling of where Jet Williams could go and how he could become a superstar. What does superstar Jet Williams look like? There's another guy who plays second base who's short, had a lot of speed, stole 56 bags in 2014 in his breakout season. Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is a polarizing guy, but one thing you can't deny at this point, the dude's on a Hall of Fame track. Career 307 hitter. I don't even know how many silver sluggers he has at this point. I think he has four or five. Could have won one this year, even though he played half the games. He was that good. And as he's gotten older, he's tapped into more power. This year, he had 17 home runs in 90 games. I also swiped 14 bags still at his age, you know, in his 30s. I'm not saying that Jet Williams is definitely going to be Jose Altuve. But if you're talking about a guy who can steal a lot of bases, hit for a high average, potentially get on base at a really good clip, if everything were to break right, that's maybe the ceiling of what a guy like Jet Williams could become. But the fact is, he's still 19 years old. So it's so far away from knowing if he's going to be that or if he's going to be something less than that, like a Nico Horner or something even much less than that. And he's not going to pan out the way we expect. But if you're looking at floor ceiling and the floor is Horner and the ceiling is Altuve, the damn good prospect. And that's why I think right now I have him as the top prospect in the Mets system. Right up there with him, though, is Luis Angel Acuna. And you can make every argument I just made for Jet Williams for Acuna. The size that matches Altuve, the speed, the possibility that one day he could turn into a, a better home run hitter than we expect. All of that could be there for Acuna. I, I just, at this point, am a little bit higher on Jet than Acuna. But again, I might be suffering from some recency bias, and that's why before I make that next top 10 concrete, I want to do a little more digging on these guys. Then we get to Drew Gilbert. Okay, 35 games with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies after getting traded for Justin Verlander. Drew Gilbert hit 325 with a 423 on base and a 561 slug. He had six home runs, seven doubles, two triples, a 984 OPS. And he's a great defender who plays with a really good motor. Everyone says he plays with his hair on fire. There, there's some star potential there. I don't know if he's going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be a damn good player though. Um, and so I think with the three of those guys, that's the bottom line for me is I think you're going to have three starting big leaguers there and hopefully above average starters. And if that happens and they're all part of this core that you have with Alvarez, you know, getting, you know, put into this mix with Lindor locked up with Nimmo locked up, hopefully Alonzo locked up. There's a, a runway where this Mets team can get really good, really quick. Now let's look a little bit further into the future. Guys who haven't quite cracked double A yet. Ryan Clifford might be there next year. He hit 22 home runs in 90 games this year in high A, but he did struggle when he got traded over. He was also in that Justin Verlander trade. 16 of those 22 home runs came in the Astro system. That power potential is something that you can dream on, but again, he's 19 years old and there is some holes in that swing. So we have to see what happens. And, you know, he might just be a star, not necessarily a superstar. 
The guy that I think, if you're looking at this system, where it's a, a wide range of outcomes because he's just getting started, but there could be superstar written all over him. It's Colin Houck, their most recent first-round pick. He was a quarterback in high school, two-way sports star, got D1 offers to play quarterback. That just always screams, oh, there's star potential here because if you're a quarterback and a stud one in high school who's getting D1 offers, you're probably a, a pretty unbelievable athlete. And he's six foot two playing the shortstop position compared to all these other guys who are at the top of the Mets system who are shorter. You know, he's got more of the build of a superstar. We have no idea what he's going to be, though. He hasn't even played a full season yet. He's only gotten to the complex league. So it's going to be some time before we really know what they have in Colin Houck, but he's just a name to watch for sure. Looking through everything we discussed today, though, I still have to come back to Francisco Alvarez and say, if there is a homegrown superstar in the mix for the Mets over the next 10 years, the guy with the best likelihood to be that is luckily the Mets starting catcher in 2024 as well. So it's going to be really exciting to see the next couple of years of his career and how high that ceiling truly is. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets for this week on Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you want to be a Locked on Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description to get updates whenever there's anything hot silver related with the Mets right now. That's where you're going to get the first update from me over there being a Locked On Mets insider. So appreciate all of you who hit subscribe. Uh, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan and follow the show at Locked On Mets.